You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay. A couple weeks ago. Now, there's going to be some stuff. I'm actually going to go back and I'm going to remind you some stuff. And if you miss some sermons, you might have to go back and listen to the podcast. I hope you do that when you miss a sermon. This, this is one of those sermon series that each sermon didn't stand on its own. These all tie together, and I'm going to show you that in this ser- sermon today. There was a, a word I used a couple of weeks ago, word inconsequential. And uh, what that means, I want to dig into it just a little bit here at the beginning of this message. It means not important or significant. Inconsequential means something that has very little or no value or consequence in your life. And I use this term to be descriptive of the faith of a lot of churchgoers today, that a lot of people have an inconsequential faith. It is not important or it is not significant. And I I think if you have faith, I think that faith is important to you, but I think what happens is it becomes insignificant. It's not significant. It's, It's important for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. Or maybe if, if uh, you do go to a small group, it's important for that other hour with the small group. So, but it's not, it's not consequential for the rest of your life. Now, I can't make a decision for you. I can't choose for you what you do. But I can choose for me. And uh, Joshua, I believe it's 2415, uh, he said, as for me and my house, he chose for his house. Oh, so I, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to say as priest of this house, I'm going to choose for us this morning also as a priest. Now, 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 you can slide out from under that if you want to. You can go your own way, do your own thing. But I'm going I'm to take that another step too. I'm going to say that over my family, my kids, and uh, my kids-in-law, you know, the ones that decided to be a part of our family, my grandkids, and the next generation that's not here yet, and the next generation that's not here yet, and the ne- I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm declaring and I'm praying that. And I'm not talking about right here in this moment. I'm talking about every day that I live. I'm making a decision. And here, here's what I decide. There, there, are, there are three elements of, 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 like of, of a church service and, and, and church gatherings and, and church and what we do that I think are, are, are highly uh, descriptive of, of how this inconsequential faith is, is happening in people's lives. And, and, and here's, here's what I choose. For me and for my house, this one and the one that God has given me as a family. You know, I choose that we have worship that pleases God. You know, I don't care what song we sing. I don't care what key it's in. I don't care how fast or how slow it is. I care that it pleases God. I choose that we have prayer that shakes the very foundations of hell. Because, listen, let me tell you something. The, the, the stuff that some people are dealing with, I'm talking about the people in this room, are dealing with today, little five and dime prayers that we pray and little forms that we go through and the things that we say over and over. It ain't, it ain't doing anything. It's not, it's, it's not doing anything to change the situation. So I say, I choose that we have prayer that shakes the literal foundation of hell and stirs up the foundations of hell so that hell pays attention and notices that God is doing something. I had somebody uh, ask a long time ago, do you think Satan 
can read God's mind. I mean, how does he know if God's about to, about to uh, bless you or something? And, and uh, I, I, w- I, was, I was in a meeting with uh, John Kilpatrick. Some of you will know that name from, what, 25 years ago. There was a, a revival in Pensacola, the, uh, Florida, and, and it went on and on and on for years. And, and I don't know, thousands and thousands of souls were saved. And, and, I, and, and he was speaking. Someone had asked him that question, and he gave me the answer. He said, you know what? Satan can't read God's mind and know when God is about to bless you. But when God's about to kiss you with a blessing, Satan can watch him pucker up his lips. And when he puckers up, his, he knows to come against you. And when he starts doing that, those five and down prayers aren't going to change anything. We need prayer that shakes the foundations of hell. And I want sermons, not sermons, because you can find them. I mean, today online, you can go, you can find anything you want. If you, whatever you want to believe, go online. You can find somebody to support that, okay? I don't want sermons that make you feel better about where you are right now. Because those of you who are having issues and difficulties and troubles and drama and storms, you don't need to feel better about where you are. You need to hear about a God who is able to deliver you from where you are and give you something better than you've got today. And so, amen, you go ahead and give God a hand of praise for that. But that's not an inconsequential faith. You see, that's a consequential faith. That's a faith that, that matters when we say the last amen and we walk out the doors. That's a faith that matters when you're, when you're struggling at work or you're struggling with your kids and, and they're struggling at school. That's a, that's a faith that matters. But all over this country today, our people are going to church in inconsequential faith, singing songs about promises and peace that they have never personally experienced for themselves. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. And you, maybe you didn't do that this morning, but you've been there, haven't you? That you felt like I'm singing songs and I don't have a clue what we're talking about. Promises, pff, I hadn't seen a promise in forever. Peace, hadn't felt peace in forever. Uh, people are going to church all over the country today praying prayers that they have no expectation of receiving an answer to. People are listening to sermons today without any plans of making change in their life. Now, the problem is not the song, it's not the prayer, and it's not the sermon. But it's the attitude we have. It's the choice that we make. Because here's what's happened. It is our attitude that has taken worship supplication and God's divine wisdom and guidance and has rendered them powerless in our lives it's our attitude towards it's it's the lack of choice of of I want prayers that do this and I want worship that does this and I want sermons that do this I want friendships that accomplish this and I want want his word in me that does it I want I want devotions that stir me I want this let's read that again it is our attitude that has taken worship and supplication and God's divine wisdom and guidance and has rendered them powerless in our lives I told you a few weeks ago that one of the big differences don't jump this is the place I said don't jump uh, Kevin there's a big difference in believing and following and we've come to believe that belief is enough and belief is not enough this is what you get with belief a lot if you just stop at belief this is what you get you get salvation and then you get this you sing songs about other people's promises and other people's peace that songwriter wrote about his promise and his peace, and so you're singing about his, and you ain't got any of your own. You know, that, that, that uh, you're praying, but you, you, you really, you know, I hadn't had a prayer answered in so long. 
but you're not really expecting to get an answer today. Listen to the sermons and really don't have any plans to make any changes or whatever. But you know, that's what, that's what belief is. It just gets you that close. And I know some of you say, whoa, no, wait a minute. Belief is strong. Yes, belief is strong. Belief will get you salvation. Faith will get you salvation. But you know, just like, you know, just like the person that graduates with a four-point whatever, you know, then they get that, they get that great job at McDonald's. They get to say, do you want fries with that, you know? In the same way, faith will get you salvation. But do you want blessings with that? Because it's got to go beyond it. We've told you in this sermon series at least a couple of times that if your faith does not cause something different to happen in your life, if your faith does not cause you to, to, to act upon something in that faith, if your faith does not cause you to follow God more closely than you ever have, if, if your faith doesn't cause something for, to happen in your life, then you ain't got anything. And I, and I know, but what, what about the scripture? Okay, somebody help me with this scripture. Somebody help me finish this one. I'm going to turn it around just a little bit just so you, you can help me with it. But Jesus said, to him that believes, all things are possible. Didn't say, if you believe, everything's going to happen. No, but if you believe, all things are possible. If you believe, then there are some, there are some prayers that you can pray, but you got to pray the prayers. If you believe, there, there are some scriptures that can help you, but you got to line yourself up with those scriptures. You say, belief is not enough. It's following it's following that, that is going to get you to, to, not to this place, but to this next place. Okay, finally now, Kevin, we can go over there. It's the difference between believing and following because followers will experience the promises and the peace of God. Followers can expect their prayers to be answered. Followers want to know how they can be more like Jesus, and not one day, and not down the road somewhere, and not eventually, but followers want to know, how can I be like Jesus right now today that's what a follower does a follower says tell me something that i'm not doing right yet you know i i I know we all we've all bought into the lie about how you're okay as you are but you know i I, i've enjoyed you know this building i've enjoyed working this building with with some guys that know a lot more than i know you know and we've we've actually done some physical work and i enjoy working with them and you know what when they've told me i'm doing something wrong I, I don't buck up and say, well, this is the way I do it, <laughs> you know, especially when I'm messing with uh, electricity or something, you know, I'm all ears, right? God knows stuff I do not know, and if God has a word for me today, I want to hear it. Show me where I'm messing up. If I'm struggling in a battle, if I've got a storm that I can't, if I can't get through, if, if I've got a question that I can't get an answer to, God, show me. Show me what I'm missing here. Help me get there so that I can be there and so I can get there. Oh, but we get, we get this place here, right? It's like, what is the thing that, the one thing, there's that one thing, right? That one thing that every one of us has, or maybe two or three, that we're not willing for God to talk to us about. Do we have that thing? Let me ask you this. Is that my next slide there, Kevin? I'm not getting ahead of myself, am I? Okay, yeah, okay, it's good. If God told you, before I go to the first one, if God, what, what would you put there? I would have a problem with God if he told me to. If God told you to change political parties. Now, I started with this one, even though this one's not very deep spiritually, but it's going to prove a good point to us right here in just a second, okay? 
If God told you to change political parties, would you vote differently this fall? Okay? Because here's the thing. You're you're already sitting back there saying, Pastor's just using this as an example because he knows I've already got it figured out. And my political party is definitely God, you know. There ain't no way. Can I tell you something? I got friends that are Republicans that are going to heaven, and I got friends that are Democrats that are going to heaven, and I got friends that are liberals, and, and I got friends that are, are independents, and I got libertarians, and, 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 and going to heaven. But you know, we've already figured out. Brent was talking last week about, about that soil, and he talked about the path, and he said something about it in a way that I never thought of before, and I want to bring that back to you because if you missed it last week, you need to hear this, and if you heard it last week, you need to be reminded of it, okay? So here it is. Is that path where the seed fell and it couldn't get any root and it couldn't grow was because the path, what happens with the path? The path gets beaten down. Because the path, we've already got the path figured out. And we don't need any seed from the word in the path because we've already got the path. God, show us what to do over here. But this is my path. This is where I'm going. And I don't need you to change. And so that's why if God would told us that, we wouldn't even hear God say that because there's no way God would tell me to change political parties because I've already got that one figured out. That's the problem when God tries to tell us something. We've got, already got stuff figured out, and God can't tell us any different. And, and I, I ain't talking to just one side of the aisle today. I'm talking to all of us. So let me ask you, let me ask you a few more things. I'll run through these as quick as I can because I'll, I'll, I'll preach all these if I, if, I, if I don't push. If God told you to increase your giving or make a truly sacrificial gift, would you? Everybody in this room can give a dollar to something. That's not sacrifice. If God told you to give a truly sacrificial gift, what would you do? Would that be the one thing that said, well, can't do that? What about, what's the next one? If God told you to help or bless someone in need, what would you do? Got all the excuses in the world about, well, you know, they probably got help. And they probably got that. And they probably got somebody else. Next one, Kevin. If God told you to pray more and study his word more deeply, what would you do? Would you do it? I meant, is God not already telling us that? I mean, in your heart right now, or any of these, like, oh, I wish he hadn't said that one. Because, yeah, it's in your heart. God's already telling us that. We know that. What's the next one? If God told you to invite someone to worship service or meetups, well, they wouldn't come. God didn't say go tie them up and bring them. If God told you just to invite them, what would you do? What's the next one, Kevin? If God told you to join, <laughs> not just to bring something, but if God told you to join a meetup or a grow group, what would you do? If God told you the next one, to forgive someone that had hurt you. Man, I hate it when God takes my sermons and throws them back in my face. But Friday night, God reminded me of somebody that I am still holding a grudge to because they hadn't apologized yet. They attacked my ministry and they hadn't apologized yet. And I'm preparing this sermon to preach to you. And, you know, and I, I wanted to have a little argument with God right there. God, there's coming a day they're going to realize it, God. <laughs> and I want to be able to say, yes, yes, yes. And he reminded me I won't be able to say that without a totally different attitude if I forgive. Are you willing to forgive? If God told you, to, is, is he telling somebody to forgive someone? What about the other side of that? If God told you to apologize to someone. But they hurt me worse than I hurt them. They hurt me first. That's why I hurt them doesn't matter two scriptures jesus says if you if you've got something against somebody go to them jesus said if somebody's got something against you go to them either way you're the christian you got to do it if god told you what's your thing there's a story 
the scripture, just the last little scripture of it, Matthew chapter 19. This is the Message Bible. It's a story of a rich young man. We call him the rich young man. Some people call him the rich young ruler or the rich young man. He came to Jesus and he says, I've done all these things, but I, I want to be perfect. I, 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 I want to I have eternal life and be perfect following you. Jesus finally ends up, he told him all the things he had done. Jesus finally ends up saying, if you want to give it all you've got, Jesus replied, this is the Message Bible. Go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor. All your wealth will then be in heaven, then come follow me. And he went away sorrowfully because that was the one thing he would not hear from Jesus. This, this, this is not about money. Okay, maybe it is for somebody in this room. But this is about what's that place that you will not listen to Jesus for. Now, I'm sensing in my spirit some pushback. You know, like, like oh, well, I not, not just that you don't want to hear that, but, but the pastor, he's just, he's just being too forward. He's just being too aggressive today. You, do you remember where we're going? You remember where we started this? I'm talking about having a faith that is not inconsequential anymore. I mean, I'm talking about having a faith that enables you to pray a prayer and believe that you can have the answer to that prayer, that is able to, to let you sing again about the promises and, and the peace of God, not that somebody else has, but that I have, and I can glorify you because of that, that you can, or you can listen to a sermon or dig deeper into your, into your devotional time and, and hear God say, this is, this is where you're missing it, this is what's going to fix it, this is how it's going to all come back together for you, for your family, for your marriage, for whatever it is in your life that's falling apart. This is not just so I can say, you, you're doing a bad thing. No, I'm telling you, there's a, there's a path, but it's not the path that we've been on. That means we're going to have to change something. And this was the one thing, that, and that's why Jesus said, well, this is what i got to talk to you about. Yeah, you've given me all that other. And, and, and I know you say, well, man, Jesus, you mean we hit all these things and just miss one? But, but, but think about this. If you're dating, if you're, if you're already married, Think back to when you were dating. I know some of you got to really think hard. But think and imagine your spouse said, okay, listen, here's some things I don't put up with. I don't put up with cussing and abusive behavior. I don't put up with uh, alcohol. I don't put up with drugs. I don't put up with pornography. I don't put up with affairs. I don't even put up with flirting. Okay, and then you, you're thinking about getting married to this person, or you did marry that person, for those of you who aren't married. And you said, you know, well, I can do all but one of those. You know, <laughs> how's that going to work out for you? Or can I ask her, how did that work out for you? You see, because this, this, is, this is what Jesus, this is the relationship. It's these things. Because it's not about me. It's about somebody else. It's about relationship with him. And that's why... If, if you want to be perfect, because, listen, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Just hang in with me. We're going to that place of not inconsequential, getting out of that. If you want to be perfect and you want, and you want to pray those prayers and, and know that God can answer those prayers and you, and, and, and you want to sing those songs not about somebody else's promise but about your promise that you receive and your peace. If you want to get there, then, then we're going to have to make some changes. And here, here's... Another word that's been, and I, I started to ask Brent, uh, this was not in my notes, but I brought it up two weeks ago. I don't think it was in Brent's notes last week, but he brought it up, it, or at least it wasn't two weeks prior, but this word right here, I hope, suddenly. 
her just before service two weeks ago shared right before we had our prayer shared about suddenly about how many times in the bible something happens suddenly man that got all over me i was written i was i was ready to step down let him just get up and preach that morning preach some suddenly because there i know some people sitting here right now need some suddenly hmm. missed your opportunity didn't you Somebody should have said, amen, I need some suddenly. Let me, let me say that again, and you be ready to say amen this time, okay? There are some people sitting here that need some suddenly. Amen. We need some suddenly. But you know, here's the problem, is we get salvation suddenly, and we think everything else comes with it suddenly, too. There are times that God just shows up and does something for you just because he wants to. But most of the time, and most of the examples I have are in Scripture, so I'm going to run down a whole list of them. Go ahead and throw them up there if you want to, Kevin. I'm going to give you a bunch of them. I'm going to have to run through this in a hurry, okay? But, thank you, David. <laughs> I will when everybody else says that, okay? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to run through these. Because I, here's what I want you to see. Is they had suddenly happened to them. But it was because they were in a place that when suddenly fell, they were able to get it. I mean, if suddenly's falling right here and you're over here, you ain't going to get it you got to be in the right place. But how do I know where suddenly he's going to fall? Well, you don't, but he does. And when he gives you opportunity to get in the right place, he's putting you in the place so suddenly it can happen. Like Joseph, one of my favorites is Joseph. That coat of many colors, Joseph, at the, at the, in Genesis, uh, toward, toward the last two-thirds of, of the uh, book of Genesis. And uh, he, uh, he's in prison. He's in prison for something he didn't do, if you know the story. He's in prison, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he, he's asked people, don't forget me, don't forget me, and, and they forget him, but God didn't forget him. And one day, finally, he gets called to the throne room. He ends up being the second in the kingdom. And you know how fast it happens? The Word of God says all he had time to do was shave and change his shirt. It was that quick that it happened. Now, we hear that, and that, you know, we won't pull that one scripture out and say, wow, that's amazing. God, I want one of those, but you've got to remember he was rejected by his brothers. He was thrown in a pit. They lied to his dad and said he was killed. They decided instead, let's make some money off of him instead of letting him die here. And they sold him into slavery. The slaves sold him to, to uh, Potiphar over in, over in Egypt. And so he served as a slave in his house until he was falsely accused of something he didn't do. Got thrown into prison. And while he was in prison, did all kinds of great stuff. And, 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 and the, the, the director of the prison, he kept elevating him. But he kept telling people, when you get out of here, tell Pharaoh about me. Remind me and everybody forgot him but God didn't forget it and through all of that Joseph grew Joseph remained faithful Joseph remained committed he was consistent nobody had anything negative to say about him and that's why when suddenly fell Joseph was in the right place it didn't just happen it's because he put himself in the right place Abraham and Sarah for decades they had been infertile decades decades i mean we, we we pray with so many young couples that have struggled to have a baby we pray with so many of them these guys for decades they had given up you know how i know they gave up because when they finally got their suddenly promise sarah laughed <laughs> she said yeah this old woman i know some of y'all thinking yeah you wouldn't understand that laugh wouldn't you if, if god said but he said and this is how suddenly it happened is the promise was this this time next year i'm coming back and you're going to have a child by the time I get back. That's suddenly. Now they say, well, I, a year later? That don't sound like suddenly. No, no, you know, you got to think nine months, okay? <laughs> you got to think. But over decades, same thing for Hannah. 
Hannah had gone years infertile. And she had people that were laughing at her, making fun of her because they had kids and she didn't. And then one day, all of a sudden, she got a promise. May God give you the desire of your heart. And because she was where she was supposed to be, pouring her heart out to God, committed and consistent, not blaming God, but staying there, she was in the right place for suddenly to happen. Um, uh, the people of Israel, we, we, we see that how, how that, uh, God delivered them at the Red Sea from their enemies. But you know what? You might forget this. They had to leave everything of their life behind and walk for miles. And you say, you know, God, why did God take them all the way out? There? He took them to the Red Sea because the Red Sea wasn't just, just their portal into the promised land. It was also the place where God was going to destroy their enemies. So God led them there. They followed him there. They walked miles to get to the place where God could bring deliverance. And when they got there, then God suddenly wiped them out in a moment. Read the scripture. And, and incidentally, all the scriptures are in the sermon notes, okay? So I, I just don't have time to read any of them, right? Or David. You know, David, David was uh, watching sheep, and he got a call, come to the house. And Samuel anointed him to be the next king of Israel. How, how, why do you say that as suddenly? Because he was, he was out watching sheep. No, nothing was going on. All of a sudden, he gets called. And why did he get called? Because he put himself in the right place. Because here's what God said of him. God said, he is a man after my own heart. He had put himself in a place of suddenly. Uh, Elisha. Elisha wanted and received a promise of a double portion blessing, a double portion anointing, if he followed, if he was consistent and he was there. And if he saw Elijah leave, if he followed Elijah all the way, then he get read that story because Elijah kept trying to fool. He, Elijah kept saying, why don't you just wait here? I said, uh-uh. You know, why don't you just wait? No, uh-uh. Because I've got a promise for a suddenly. I've got a promise for a double portion, and I'm not letting anything keep me from that. Or the followers of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. I believe it's the first time the word suddenly is used in the King James Version of the New Testament. It's where it says, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, and they all began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. And, and, and when did this happen? This happened suddenly, but it happened after they had had a 10-day prayer meeting. And most everybody in that prayer meeting had been following Jesus for three years. They put themselves in a place so suddenly could happen. Same thing happened to Paul and Silas. Acts 16, 17, somewhere in there, they end up in prison for preaching Jesus. They've, uh, they've ended up in prison for preaching Jesus, and it says in the middle of the night, suddenly... Suddenly, they're turned loose out of the prison. But you know what happened? Here, here's what happened. They've been preaching, right? They were evangelists. You know, they, they didn't have a nice building like, you know, I've got and nice people following me. I mean, they were digging. We used to talk about how digging new churches out. They were digging churches out, and they were preaching, and they were going to the, going to the temple at the hour of prayer, and, uh, and, and, which was their custom. And they kept doing this, and, and then there was this lady that, that was filled with a demon. They cast this demon out of her, and you say, oh, I don't know if I believe that kind of stuff. Well, then that's your one thing that you refuse to hear from God. You got to deal with that because that's what the scripture says. I didn't say that she had a demon. The Bible says she had a demon inside of her. They cast it out. They were thrown into prison, but in prison they weren't complaining and moaning and griping about all the stuff that was happening to them and nobody will do anything for us. They were praying and they were singing worship 
to God. And then because of all that, suddenly they were turned loose from all that. I got, I got one last one for you, and I say this one for the last, because this, and, and we're really close to wrapping up. Don't get your keys just yet, okay? But we're getting close to wrapping up, all right? The widow of Zarephath. They were in a three-year famine. They didn't know how long this famine would last. We don't know exactly what part of this three-year famine, but just reading scriptures, most theologians believe it was probably in that last year or so that they'd had about two years of famine, and people didn't have food anymore. And she, was, she and her son were close to death, and God gave her a miracle? Is that what, is that what you're looking for? Because, see, that's the problem. We start looking for the miracle before, we, and we miss the opportunity. He gave her the opportunity to do something for somebody else. To do something that was going to cost her. She took what was going to help her and she gave it to somebody else. God gave her the opportunity to do something for somebody else that was going to cost her. God gave her the opportunity to do what he wanted to be done. That's what it's all about. It's not about me doing my thing, but about doing his thing. E even if I want to call it ministry, it's about me doing it his way, his thing. And when she did that, then, yes, she got the miracle. But, and, and you read the scripture, and I got the reference right there. If you read the scripture, you see it. If she hadn't done it, she would not have been in the place for her suddenly to fall over. But because she did it, it put her in the place. So here's my, here's my question, and this is the reason I left this one for the very end. What opportunity is God giving you in your life? What challenge, what stirring is going on in your heart, in your, in your gut, that you didn't even realize yet, maybe till this sermon, and I hope you realize now, that this is God giving you an opportunity to put you in the place you need to be because suddenly it's about to fall. And what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with it? You see, I'm tired of hearing about problems. I'm ready to hear about some fulfilled promises. I'm ready to hear about some God suddenly showing up. That's what I'm ready to hear about. And that's what this sermon is about. I'm, I'm, I'm I do not want to pastor people with inconsequential faith. That's not, that doesn't mean I want you to leave. Means I want you to leave that inconsequential faith place that you're living in. I want you to get in the middle of some suddenly. I want you to get in the middle of where God wants to pour his promises and his peace out in your life. Oh, God. You see, some of you have been living in your problems so long, you've given up on seeing the promise. You've given up on having peace. You've given up on having a healing. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. Some of you, that when I say that, you had not even been thinking about the thing that you used to pray for that you quit praying for, that you just now accept that this is my life. It doesn't have to be. God wants to give you a suddenly too. He wants to renew the promises. He wants to renew the peace. He wants to help you see the one or two things that you need to do that's going to get you right in the place where you're suddenly. He wants to do all that for you. Now, I, I, I want to see you get out of that, but 
I think a lot of times what we've done in, in past, sometimes pastors do this, is like, you need to do, you need to do, you need to do. Come on, stand, amen, and everybody goes home. You've got to figure out how to do it. We don't want to do that at 2911. We want to give you, we, we, we want to kickstart you. We want to give you some, we want to set some things in motion so all you got to do is kind of jump on the bicycle and go with us, you know, kind of a thing. And that's what we've been sharing with you the last four weeks. You remember, uh, the, don't, don't go to this one just yet, Kevin, either when I say this word, but you remember the first sermon of this year, again, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it, and we talked about Christian resolutions. Three resolutions that I believe Christians should make every single year, because you'll never get to where you need to be exactly, but they are this, grow closer to other Christians, grow closer to God, and make a difference. That by December 31st, I will be closer to other Christians. I will have some deeper friendships in my, in my life. That if by December 31st, I will be closer to God than I was on January 1st. By December 31st, I will be able to look back and say, there's a place I made a difference, and there's a place I made it, and there's a place I made a difference. That the, I, I believe those are three resolutions Christians should make every single year. Grow closer to, to other Christians, grow closer to God, and make a difference. But just saying those things without being your pastor. I want to lead you. I want to be your pastor. I want to lead you. I want to give you some opportunity. And we've been doing that the last four weeks. That's what we've been talking to you about. That's what I want. And I'm going to hit it again real quick if I can, okay? Because those three things, I'm going to take them in a little different order right here as we wrap this up, okay? Because resolutions, let me help you fulfill that resolution of getting closer to other Christians. It's in connecting. Getting closer to others. Go right there to meetups, church2911.com slash meetups. These are little fellowship opportunities every couple of months or so, and they're just beginning. Some haven't started yet because of COVID. They backed off at times or, or whatever, but just started. And listen, the number one reason you need to connect with others is that they need you. See, what we've done in the past too often, come on, Christian, come on, church, is we've said, well, I don't need it today, but there's somebody that does. There's somebody that needs time with you. That's and. I, I don't know. I, I came to church for me today because, man, I've had a week. I came to church for me. There's Most Sundays, I don't come for me. I come because I know there's somebody that needs to hear this sermon. There's somebody that needs this. There's somebody that needs this. That's the number one reason. Here's, here's the, second, the second one. Uh, the resolutions. Uh, the second resolution is also then to make a difference, even though uh, to, to serve, make a difference. Church2911.com, teens, is a great place to go. But here's, here's the thing we need to remember. This isn't just about me, about us. We have a commission to release God's peace and healing. Read that scripture right there. See what God, what Jesus did. He said, get out there and speak peace. Speak peace over people. You're supposed to be the ambassador of peace, taking peace to people. Speak it with authority. Speak the peace of God. To come. Instead, of, instead of us just bemoaning all the, all the crap going on in the world around us and all of our our. our, our uh, co-workers and classmates, all the crap they're going through, instead of just bemoaning all that, we're supposed to speak peace into that because we have the peace and put us in that place. And, and, and uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago, these were, these were things I asked you to help us pray about. Four more kids workers, three more teen workers, four more AV techs, six more Connect team members, four more prayer team members, three more worship team members, four more digital team members. And you know what? Add that up. That's 18 people. So that sounds like a lot of people. It does until if I were to ask you right now, everybody who is not serving in some way in the church, stand up. There'd be more than 18 people stand up. I pray God 
Call us, God, to give us a place that we can serve you because somebody needs what I've got to give. What you've invested in me, somebody needs that, God. And so I want you to keep helping me pray this, okay? And here's the last one, the last resolution, getting closer to God. And, and Brent talked about this last week as our grow groups, and there's, there's the link right there. And these are discipleship. These aren't just fellowship. These are discipleship. These are digging in and trying to get closer to God with one another. Okay, and these meet, and so they're just beginning. I think most of them are beginning week after this. Not this coming week, but the very next week. So you hadn't missed anything yet. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.